Today we talk about John DeLorean. He was the Mask of the 1980s. This story is about a man who wanted to change things. It's about a man who had a dream and oh man would he move heaven and earth to make his dream happen. Even if it cost him everything. This is Charik and Killian from Wow Stories. Weekly we tell you here the amazing stories of great personalities which changed our world. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Anyway, the best support for us is you hearing our podcast. So thanks a lot. So John was born in 1925 in Detroit, Michigan. His parents were Hungarian immigrants and he started his college, but that was interrupted during the World War II and he could never graduate from the college. Instead, he started life insurance to earn a living. And he started his full-time career in automotive industry in General Motors in, in the Packard um, Motor Division. So you can see he started his career as a very normal engineer, but soon people realized that he was not a normal engineer. He worked really hard and within no time, he, he, re- he went up the America's corporate ladder in, in just 1964, John was promoted to the head of Pontiac division. In Pontiac, he developed the GTO uh, that heavily influenced the American muscle car movement. At this time, managers and CEOs in in USA were mostly conservative and they were not. John was doing that. So that's why he was someone that was publicly really loved. In 1969, he was again promoted and this time it was head all the way Uh, as head of prestigious Chevrolet division. And it was at that time General Motors flagship. So by the time uh, DeLorean was earning annual salary of 200,000 US dollars and uh, yearly bonuses of $400,000. And he he was actually a guy who was changing the the, the culture of the CEOs at the time when business executives were very, very, very conservative. And, and this guy was, uh, you know, he had side, he was wearing long sideburns, unbuttoned T-shirts, and, and he invited Ford President Lee to serve as his best man at his second wedding. So, but the great thing is that he brought Chevrolet back to track and he was dating his third wife, Christina. So his, his life was like a playboy, but on the same time, you know, he was bringing a lot of profit to to General Motors, that's why nobody was talking about against his his playboy culture. So in 1972, DeLorean was appointed to the position of vice president of the car and truck production for the entire General Motors line. So at that time, he was the youngest vice president in the America's corporate history. Isn't that amazing, guys? And now we have a surprise for you. Yes, so DeLorean left General Motors in 1973. And why he left, left, we will know now. Basically, John DeLorean in 1973 left his company, left his General Motors, this big, big, the biggest corporate company at the world at this time, to try to build his own company, the DeLorean Motor Company, also known as DMC. And 
basically he just left it with a few drawings of his new innovative car, the DMC-12, which he wanted to build, and let it then detailed this design by Giretto Giruari. He has designed everything, every Porsche, every Ferrari at this time, and from this point, the DM-12, the DeLorean Motor Company's 12th car, also known as the DeLorean, was born. At first, it was used in the movie Back to the Future to hype this thing a little bit up. And it stays until today in the people's minds because of this movie. So it was always called, so when traveling back to time, why not doing it with some style? And his vision basically with the Steam C12 was to build an eco-friendly, rust-proof sports car. The car's completely body was made out of stainless steel, like the Cybertruck from Tesla today. Very great truck. And it featured the Gullwing doors, like the Tesla Model X. But DeLorean needed money, and he had not so much money to commit at this time. So he just asked the dealers if they can, if they can invest money in this company. And yeah, over this contact, he raised about seven to eight million. But to make this thing fly, you need more than seven to eight million. You would need a hundred or two hundred million. Where do you get this money from? At 1980, you cannot go to a VC, not so commonly known. He thought about asking governments with a high, high unemployment rate to give him subsidies. And then he played them out. Puerto Rico was, it's, um, he was speaking with Puerto Rico, then he was speaking with um, the North Ireland government in Belfast. And finally, they they um, got okay with Northern Ireland, Belfast, and got 1 million all-in-one subsidies. And yeah, from this point, he started to build a factory there. And... But the biggest problem was the Team C-12 from this time. He would drastically reduce the specs because if you want to pay, pay, make a car in less than five years, you only need two years. You basically need, you use, you need to, to prefab parts like the Renault engine what made the car slow in the, uh, after the second run. And he'd use the design from Locos. And then basically, it's like what we see in see a Tesla at, at two, three years ago, where they had this production problem. And John Lauren had the same production problem. It took 10 years to deliver the first car to the United States of America. And then basically, in the 1980s, 80s, the, an economic yeah, recession happened. And what do you do? You basically have this, you have, and he turned profit hell before. And now you have this big problem and you go into an economic recession. So what did he do? He firstly did nothing because he couldn't do anything. But the problem was the interest in the Lorian car quickly slowed down and other models were much cheaper and the people couldn't afford their great new innovative car. That's the biggest problem of him. And then he needed to have money because he only had this little bit money from the subsidies, but the subsidies have already run out. And his luck... It's finally run out. He asked many investors, flew to um, to United Arabian Emirates. He asked billionaires. He even wanted to do an IPO, what was not so common at the time like today. But basically, no, always no, no, no. Even he asked the British government if they want to help him. But yeah, they even declined. So what can he do? He's basically 
they need to shut down the whole factory down and lay off all worker was very bad people felt very bad especially if you don't can get any jobs there so what did john do next what will now mark his downfall is basically he was so desperate his company was only days away from bankruptcy and then he got he heard about a new thing there was a person who offered him a, a drug deal of cocaine worth around 6.5 million was in today's currency around 50 million and he said okay he's so desperate and he will do everything to revive his company and he got into this but basically it was a trap by the fbi and yeah he was he was arrested and then he was charged with yeah fraud of for bringing 50 pounds, 55 pounds of cocaine into, into the, flooding the market with it. So, but at this time he was at the right, at the right part, part. So he basically, the jury didn't found him guilty on all accounts. And basically, yeah, he was, he didn't need to go to jail for this, but basically his life was broken. He never stopped innovating all through. And he, last years of his life, he filed a patent for monorail transport only a few years before he died. And basically, he died alone and broke in 2005 at the age of 80. It's like maybe similar to Nikola, Nikola Tesla, if you know what I mean. Hmm, yeah, very, very. Mm-hmm. So, Gillian, actually, it's a very interesting story. On one side, he raised the America's uh, corporate ladder. He, he was the vice president of a company, and it's a dream for every people. He was doing the best. He was the most famous guy at that time, but he he wanted to do something different. And then it did not go according to the plan. But how do you how do you uh, what do you say about this? Yeah, basically, it's the thing. If you see John DeLorean in his early early years at GM at Pontiac, at Jeffrey, you see basically. He's just a normal person, basically. But then he gets, he, he understands, oh, this is what they're doing. It's not innovating. At one time, he said, I cannot do this. They just changed a little bit front lift at the car, then said, oh, it's awesome, an innovative new car. And it wasn't. It was just the same old car, the same old shit. And basically, this was, he wanted to change really things. He had this brand new car, this timeless design, stainless steel like the Cybertruck. And he would. He was so inspired by it, but it's a problem. It was 1980, not 2020. So there were massive problems to do this. Yes, of course. So one thing was sure. So he was a, from a middle class family, but whatever he achieved, it means that he was one of the best engineers at that time. And that's why he reached the vice president position. So it means we are talking here about a very hardworking guy, very intelligent guy, and a mind that was unmatchable and really innovative. And maybe I would say rather a crazy guy, you know. I think and also say, a crazy guy, of course. When you say compare the smart guy to a crazy guy, it's always the crazy guy always wins, not the smart guy. Yeah, so this is also a life learning for us, you know. You need to be crazy, a risk taker. So he reached that point, but, you know, his he, he had a fire inside him. He wanted to do something really innovative. And, of course, it was not very common at that time. So how do you analyze the second part of his journey? So he started with a good idea, but it was not an easy idea. Many people were thinking, anyways, it will fail. But he went till the end. What do you think? Yeah, basically, it was this dramatic downfall, which you haven't expected because it started too good. And it was the story was too good to be true, if you could say. Um, 
but basically after he did the cocaine deal it was clear yeah maybe did, did this for the right purpose but yeah if he you need to yeah this was very very wrong from him and this has, has killed everything but maybe because if he didn't have done the cocaine deal they were if they weren't speaks about a credit maybe they would have gotten a credit but after he was arrested it it was over for the company because who was wants to invest into this come on or who wants to give a credit such a company yes of course it was it's an amazing story it has a lot of lessons for all of us and that's it for my side yeah thank you guys so much to um hearing to our wall story podcast every week we try to analyze a person who did a very very great impact into our world hope to see you next week also stay hungry stay foolish and see you soon stay and say stay safe see you next week bye 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 Sharik and Kilian from Wow Stories. Weekly we tell you here the amazing stories of great personalities which changed our world. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Anyway, the best support for us is you hearing our podcast. So thanks a lot.